Oh, hallelujah. It's paperless. I don't know about you, but it's been mighty good to me. I look where he bought me from. I look at all the trials and the tribulations. And this is what he told me. Yeah. Let us pray. <laughs> Let us be thankful. Father, we just come to you humbly just to say thank you. Might not have done it all right, but you changed my life. You changed me. You forgave me. You gave me a new start. Father, great greatness I've seen in you. Oh, Father, we just want to say thank you for watching over us, for protecting us, for providing in the midst of storms. Father, we just look to you where our help comes from. Father, I'm happy right now. Oh, I'm home. But you've been so good yeah. that even though I couldn't be in this building, I still worshiped you to say thank you for all the things that you've done. You brought us all a mighty long way. Oh, Father, forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. Create in us a clean heart and renew the right spirit. Let us run this race with grace. Your amazing grace, Father. Watch over us and protect us. When there's trouble, Father, you always seem to direct our path to a different way. And we just want to say thank you. Oh, Father, we just ask right now that you lift our pastor up as he brings forth the word. Father, cover him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. Let him not get weary. Let him know how to stand in the midst of a storm. Father, let him break the bread of life. That somebody might hear it and say, what must I do to be saved? How can I come running to you, Father? Father, we're here with open arms to do your will. And this is our prayer on this day, Father. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Liz. Uh, Liz Reese is our lay leader here at Providence Church, which just means uh, she's a part of our leadership team. She keeps me straight. And um, sometimes, as we just experience, you just need uh, Liz to pray for you. And so thank you, Liz, for praying for us, not just in this moment, but, but daily, praying for the church. And, uh, you know, we're just here uh, praising our guts out <laughs> because we love Jesus. And and I'll tell you, those of you, uh, you know, who are joining us now and faithful online, we are just going to keep praising God. Nothing can stop us. We'll, we'll do it online. We'll do it in person. But we're not giving up on God because God has not given up on us. We have so much to be thankful for. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to thank you, Providence Church, for your response to our need for Thanksgiving meals. We had a goal of, of 350 Thanksgiving meals for families in our community. And sometime last week, we had to stop you guys at 437. And we have a place for all 437 Thanksgiving meals. That's over $25,000 that you gave so that people uh, who may not have had that experience could have the same experience perhaps that you will, just a full Thanksgiving meal. So thank you. And my way of thanking God for that miracle this week has been just trying to picture. And so I, I invite you to do that with me, just trying to imagine 437 Thanksgiving tables that'll be set. 
filled with turkey and stuffing at my house, maybe dressing at your house, whatever you call it, fresh vegetables, pumpkin pie, 437 times. Try to picture it. Families all over our community who will know that the church, uh, the people who love Jesus, love them. And that they're as blessed and favored by God as anybody else. So thank you for your generosity. We're getting in the holiday spirit, as you may be able to tell here at Providence, and I do want to let you know about our Christmas services. Uh, the greatest time each year here at Providence are our services on December the 23rd and 24th, and this year, as you might have guessed, is a Christmas like no other, and we are so excited to welcome you to services on the 23rd and 24th. They will be drive-in worship services right out on the hill out in front of Providence Church. We did that this summer several times. It was a beautiful time. And you know, here at, at Providence on Christmas Eve, we usually welcome several thousand people. And so the way we can do that this year in a fun way, in a safe way, is to be out front. Uh, and so we invite you to join us for drive-in worship December 23rd at 7 p.m. or on Christmas Eve at 5 and 7. And of course, we will have our online worship for those of you who will be at home at those same times. We'll have a beautiful Christmas Eve service for you that you can join in. So you do need to reserve a spot to register for that, and you can see the information on the screen. We have a bunch of room for that, but we do think it'll fill up. So that's why we're telling you here before Thanksgiving so that you will save your spot to come and join us this Christmas at Providence because Jesus is coming into the world, and Jesus changed my life. It's not just a series title. I loved hearing Angela preach about it last week because she was like, Jesus changed my life. That inspired me. I wanted to make sure y'all know that Jesus changed my life like he straight up rescued me. And I stand here and I walk out on this stage whenever I get the opportunity only because of him and giving thanks to him for rescuing me and changing my life. So our scripture for today, I really can relate to, and I think you will too. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and it says this. This is Paul speaking. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he, that's Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul always says these great therefores, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. I don't know if you heard Paul say it. He said, three times I pleaded with God, take it away from me, take it away from me, take it away from me. This is a desperate plea. He is saying, please Jesus, he says, I pleaded with him, would you take it away from me? What was Paul wanting to be taken away from him? It's what he calls his thorn in his flesh or a thorn in his side. So if we back up one verse in 2 Corinthians to verse 7, he says this, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan, to torment me. And then he says, take it away. Take it away. Now, for centuries, uh, Bible scholars, people who study Paul's writings, New Testament professors, they've tried to figure out what in the world Paul was talking about. What in the world did he mean by thorn 
in the side or thorn in the flesh. Like, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? And there are all kinds of guesses, all kinds of things that people wonder. Uh, People think maybe it was some kind of temptation, something that Paul just couldn't quite get through, couldn't quite get out of his mind, couldn't uh, couldn't get past that he was tempted by. Uh, Other people think it must have been some kind of physical infirmity. And so uh, there are different things that Paul writes or things that happened in his life that make people guess what it was. Some people thought that maybe he had trouble with his eyes because if you know Paul's story, he had this time where he was blind for a while and then scales fell off. So maybe he had trouble with his sight. There are verses that make people think he had migraines or epilepsy or uh, that he had a speech disability. Uh, Some people think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was actually a person somebody that was coming against him, or maybe the persecution that was coming, you know, something that, that Paul just couldn't get rid of. We don't know what Paul's thorn was. We don't know what that thing was that was just always in his side, that was always lingering, this constant pain. And I think that we don't know for a reason. I think the reason is so that we might be able, when we read this, to consider what is my thorn in the flesh. So I want to ask you that. What's your thorn in the flesh? What's his name? (laughs) What's her name? Is there anything that you have pleaded with God to take away, and yet there it is? A faithful uh, church member here at Providence, and actually a lifelong friend of mine, Christy Cooper Burgess, uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago. I still, I've thought about her every day since then. She was a great friend to me and my wife, Rachel, and a cheerleader for Providence Church. Uh, She was one of those people who came with us early to help start Providence Church. Uh, Christy, actually, and her parents, Bill and Charlene, who've known me since I was little, and Christy's two daughters, Jordan and Faith, were with us in this elementary school when Providence started 12 years ago. And, And like I said, they've known me my whole life. Several years ago, five, six years ago, out of nowhere, it seems, uh, Christy uh, was afflicted with a rare um, condition called transverse myelitis. And for years, she suffered with pain, chronic pain. And she pleaded, actually we pleaded, the church pleaded, take it away. We pleaded for the pain to be gone. We pleaded for her body to be restored. Take it away, God. Take it away, take it away. Now, there's no evidence that what Paul was talking about in the Scriptures was a physical ailment. So I'm not saying that these are the exact same things, and I'm not saying that physical suffering that you may have right now is something God gave you. I'm just saying that probably most of us can relate to what it feels like to feel really weak and ask God to help us to make it go away. And Christy Cooper Burgess actually taught me what Paul was trying to teach through his life in the Scripture, and that is, there is another way. It's a life-changing moment when you learn it, when you see it, if you've not yet faced it. And what I'm talking about is when you acknowledge that, yes, my life has suffering in it, but I will not let that suffering drive me away from God. Instead, I'm going to let it drive me towards God and towards the things of God. Christy, on the night before she passed away, worshipped online like you're doing right now, 
with Providence Church. That's what her daughters told me. And then before bed, uh, she posted something on Facebook. I, I wonder now um, about when I go to bed at night, would I be able to live with the last thing I posted on Facebook now that this has happened with Christy? She just posted something on Facebook. It was the last thing, the last message she left with us. And this is what she posted just on a Monday night. She said this. It's a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. It says, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Christy had every opportunity to despair, to give up, to choose bitterness. Instead, she chose a different way. She chose to stick with love. I love that. Listen to how Paul talks about it. He says, three times, Jesus, I pleaded with you to take this away from me. But Jesus said to him, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient. See, Christy learned in her debilitating illness, Jesus' grace was enough. It's why she lives so fully. It's why she could say, I'm going to stick with love. And that's why I love, love, love that Paul did not tell us what his thorn in the flesh was. And that is so I can look at my life where I am weaker than weak and hear Jesus say, yes, Jacob, my grace is enough for you. Jacob, my grace is enough for your panic attack. And Jesus can say to you, my grace is enough for your loneliness. And my grace is enough for, for your temptation. And, and my grace is enough for your desire to take the next drink when you said you wouldn't do that again. My grace is enough for coronavirus. My grace is enough for 2020. My grace is just enough, Jesus says. It's enough for you. It's sufficient. It's enough for your weakest, most desperate place. Jesus is saying, my grace is not outside of what you need me to cover over you. In fact, the scripture says, my strength, this is Jesus speaking, he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So don't miss this secret today. Don't miss this gift. I have a simple message for you. Don't miss this foundational part of being a follower of Jesus. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness, not in your boasting, not in your bragging point, not in your gifts, not in your money, not in your muscles, not in your appearance. Jesus' strength is made perfect in your weakest place. Can you imagine? Everything else, every other strength in your life, is a weaker strength compared to the perfected strength of Jesus in your weakness. Any other thing than you saying, I can't do it without Jesus is a weaker way. Any other path you take will be a weaker path. Your strongest place is realizing that you can't do it without him. So who wants to say it today? I can't do it without Jesus anymore. I can't do it without Jesus anymore. I can't do the pandemic anymore without Jesus. I'm too worn out. I can't, I can't do 2020 anymore without Jesus. I'm just surrendering today like Paul, this great hero of the faith who said, you know what? When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. 
We've called this series, Jesus Changed My Life. And what I'm talking about today, this was the biggest life change for me in the struggles that I walked through. This one is the one that changed me. When I stopped pushing with all of my strength, stopped trying to cover over and stopped trying to ignore my weaknesses and just laid it out there before God and said, this me, God, this weak me, I need your And what I found in my own life is that Jesus' grace was enough for me. And so Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Some of us are looking for power. The power is found when you say, I can't do it anymore. I'm too weak power is found when you say, I can't go anymore without Jesus. I'm giving up. And you start boasting (laughs) in your weaknesses. Miss Liz, who just prayed for us, Liz Reese, uh, somebody I've I've known for some time now, she is known as one of the strongest, most powerful people in our community. I guarantee you, no doubt about it. If you took a poll, who's the strongest, most powerful person in Wilson County? You'd see at the top of the list, Liz Reese. But do you know how she lives her life? Utterly dependent on Jesus. She's always talking about Jesus. She's always talking about his strength in her life. I sat on Liz's back porch last week. All she talked to me about was about the presence of Jesus in her life pointing people to Jesus. So how do we get there? How do we step into the power? How do we step into that kind of life where Jesus' grace is sufficient for us? We acknowledge our weakness. We're real about our weakness, but we don't want to stay mired in our weakness. We don't always want to be thinking about or talking about the thorn inside. How do we get to the other side of it where we would say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong? Well, I think what Paul shows us is first, you have to plead with God in your pain. You have to plead with him. You see, Paul's being honest. He said, not once, not twice, not three times. I said to Jesus, would you take this away? It sounds like our Lord on the night before he went to the cross, he said, God, if there's another way, he pleads with God. His sweat like drops of blood coming out of his brow. That sounds like pleading. Is there some way you could take this away from me? But he says, and yet I still want what you want, not what I want. We have to turn towards God in our pain, and we are given permission to plead with God in our pain. It's there that we start believing that Jesus is actually enough, but this is harder than it sounds. It'd be easier for me to just say, hey, start believing Jesus is enough, but there's actually action on our part, faith being worked out on our part that looks like us, not just of believing, but saying and living our faith that Jesus is enough. So my suggestion to you today is to begin to speak this word into your own life, to begin to speak Jesus's enough grace all (laughs) over your life. We've already done it a little bit, but it could sound like this. You know, we could say, this pandemic is wearing me down, but Jesus is enough. I don't know if I can make it through this semester, but Jesus is enough. I don't know if I can face the Thanksgiving table. There's somebody there who I am deeply angry with, and I'm not sure how it will go on my own. Actually, I do know how it would go, but Jesus is enough. 
And we start claiming Jesus enough over our life because Jesus is truly enough. You start saying it and you start believing it and you let God's power come into your weakness. And the spiritual truth for us today is that God's power is made perfect in your weakness. So you start boasting in your weakness. That's what Paul did. This scriptures, listen to it. He says, I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in the persecutions. I delight in the difficulties. This sounds crazy. Well, hey, guess what, guys? Following Jesus sounds crazy a bunch of the time, especially right now. Following Jesus sounds a bit different. And so Paul is lifting up his weaknesses and the weaknesses are taking Paul out of a thorn that was something in his life, which is he wanted to brag about who he was. If you notice, he said, I know the purpose for the thorn. It is to keep me from becoming conceited. And so Paul's thorn was not something that drove him further away from God. It was something that humbled him, kept him in a weak place where he could experience the power being made perfected in his life. Guys, we all have our struggles. We all have thorns in our side. We know what they are. We know their names, and we've asked for them to be taken away, and some of them remain. But Christian teaching does not say that we will not face suffering. That's a double negative, but it's how I want to talk about it, okay? Christian teaching does not say that we will not face suffering. In fact, it does not say that we can pray everything away. That's simply not Christian. What it does say is as it says, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I'm in my weak place, that's when I experience the power of Christ magnified. There are strengths in other places, but the perfected strength of Jesus is found in acknowledging and even boasting in our weaknesses. It takes all the attention off of us, off of our pedigree, what we've done, where we've been, and a person looks at us and says, that person is walking in power only because of Jesus' presence in their life. So we say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Say it with me. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And so today I'm giving you an invitation to say, I can't do it without Jesus anymore. I can't do it without Jesus anymore. I can't do this pandemic without Jesus anymore. I can't do 2020 without Jesus anymore. If you want to say yes to Jesus, if you want to say yes to his strength becoming perfected, in your weakness. Um, one way to do that is to text say yes to 31996. And we're going to sing a song of joy together. It's a beautiful song. Actually, our worship pastors, Gina and Jenny, wrote this uh, just this week. And so it's a song that's coming alive in our presence. And what you're going to hear are the words uh, from this sermon series. You're going to hear words from lines from the videos of people whose lives have been changed. You're going to hear old words from songs that some of us sang when we were little kids in <laughs> revival. You're going to hear these words as we boast in Jesus, as we boast in his power in us. Let's sing together.